Um, grew up in a, in a neighborhood, started getting pretty bad, so we moved out of Chicago and bought a house out in Indiana. Was searching for a church, was looking around for a church to go to. So started going to Livingstone, started attending life groups, learning things in life group, learning the lingo, <laughs> because you don't, you're coming from a Catholic background, you don't really know all this stuff, you know? And I learned more in four years at Livingstone's than I learned in all my life. And then fast forward, I decided about a month ago to go get a complete physical because I hadn't had one. So I went for my mammogram and they were like, well, you know, we see some extra tissue. You got to come back again to an ultrasound. So I'm like, okay. Went back again, did an ultrasound. They're like, well, you know, we think it's, you know, cancer. We're going to have to do a biopsy. Go back again for the last, for the next time. And the doctor comes in and she goes, well, I just want to show you where it's at, what we're going to do. And she's in there and she's like trying to find it. And she's trying to find it. And I go, how does, how does it look? She goes, well, it'll be a big black blob, like a circle like that. And I'm like, okay. And I'm looking at the machine and I'm not seeing no black circle. And I'm like, is it there? And she's like, well, that's the funny thing. She goes, this was it right here. And it was literally like a little thick line going across. She goes, but now it's all liquid. And I said, oh, praise God. And she goes, yeah, praise God. And she's staring at the computer because she's like, dumbfounded, like, <laughs> what happened to it, you know? And I said, but God. By the third time I had to go back for that, I had taken the colon test and it came tested back positive for cancer. That week, went to CR, and, and you know, we always go around in our little leadership group when we're sitting there ready for prayer. They always ask, does anybody need prayer? And she looked at me and I said, well, you know, I'm getting some testing done. Can you just pray for me? And then Deb was sitting across from me and she was like, oh. She goes, no, we're going to pray for you. So they all, all the girls, the guys left and the girls, were, our leaders were there and they prayed and they laid hands on me and they prayed for me. But then that Sunday, I ran up to pastor and I said, hey, can you pray with me? I said, they're saying, you know, my tests are coming back positive for cancer. You know, I don't agree with them. I said, but can you come in, you know, agreement with me? And he, we came into an agreement. He prayed over me and we made it, you know, God says we're two or more are gathered. He's in the midst of it. So he came into agreement with me and we prayed and I just stood by faith. And I just said, God, if this is, this is you trying to steer me up, let me know. I said, but um, I'm, I'm believing you're going to heal me. I just started repenting in the shower and I said, Lord, I command the spirit of cancer to come up out of me. I go, you did not give me the spirit of infirmity. You came to the, you died on that cross for, for our infirmities and our sicknesses. And I just felt a, like a, like a breath come out of me. Like I was just like relieved and I knew that I knew that it was gone. We went in and they prepped me up, ready to go into surgery. Next thing you know, I wake up in the room and my husband and my daughter are there and, they're, and the doctor says, there is no cancer. God's God no matter what happens. Whatever it is that you're allowing for it to be in my life, I know it's because you want it there, not because the devil wants it there or the enemy's trying to take me out. I know it's because you're allowing it. I said, and I'm okay with that because you're on the throne and you're always gonna be my God. And when we get to that place to know that, that we know that no matter what, a savior, he's our savior. And if we know that and we stand on faith 
you know, even if we have the faith of a mustard seed, he says that he will move mountains for us. And if he could do that for me, he could do it for other people as well. That's my story. (laughs) 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 That's Joanne's story, but how many of you know every testimony is a prophecy because every testimony says if God did it for her, he can do it for you. And if he's done it once, he can do it again. Uh, And in fact, God wants to do it again. I wanted to read a a great quote from Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers. He said, when people hear about what God used to do, one of the things they say is, oh, well, that was a very long while ago. He said, I thought it was God that did it. Has God changed? Is he not an immutable God, the same yesterday, today, and forever? And listen to this, does not that furnish an argument to prove that what God has done at one time, he can do at another? He said, nay, I think I may push it a little further, I love this part, and say what he has done once is a prophecy of what he intends to do again. Amen. Whatever God has done is to be looked upon as a precedent. Let us with earnestness seek that God would restore to us the faith of the men of old, that we may richly enjoy his grace as in the days of old. Can I get an amen on that? Come on. So here's the deal. In this series, we're really wanting to prime the pump in your heart to believe God in a fresh way again, that we're on the cusp of a great move in our nation. How many of you know we need a move of God in our nation, in the nation of the world? And... um, And the church needs an awakening. How many of you know there's more of the Lord for all of us, myself included? And so I'm just praying as we we whet your appetite with these wonderful videos we're going to be showing from week to week, and you're going to hear some incredible stories, that you would just say, God, I want to believe you in a fresh way again to see your power work through me, flow through me, touch other people, flow through our church. And even as Joanne testified to the report on two accounts of how God touched her and healed her, uh, I hope that if you're sitting out here this morning and you are facing a, a physical or health challenge, that you reach out in faith and say, Father, thank you. If you did it for Joanne, you can do it for me because he is not a respecter of persons. And so that's the power of the prophetic. It's the power of our story. It's the power of the testimony is that it instills faith in our hearts and the very testimony itself releases the presence of God and the power of God to do it in your own life. So I hope your appetite is whetted this morning, all right? Now turn with me to uh, Psalm 107. We're going to be in Psalm 107 this morning. Uh, And I want to begin simply by saying that the power of a testimony is the fact that a story about God carries with it the very presence of God. And so when you hear the story, it should awaken a sense that God is here, God is here now, and God wants to touch and move in our presence in our midst right now. So take a look at verse 1, Psalm 107, verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Can I just encourage you that every great story starts with a common element. It's called thanksgiving. 
This is why worship is so powerful. And can I encourage you, God can touch you in the middle of a worship service. You don't need hands laid upon you. You don't need any person to pray for you, although God works through that as well. But can I encourage you, the more we come to worship and the more we get our focus on Jesus and the more we're just laying our lives before him and thanking him, even in the midst of our storm, God begins to move supernaturally out of a mouthful of thanksgiving. And can I tell you, the opposite is also true. If you want to make sure nothing supernatural happens in your life, just complain constantly. Just focus on all the negative and make sure you confess it out loud and come into agreement with all of hell. And then you wonder why God's not moving in your life. But if you live a life full of thanksgiving, and what do we have to thank God about? Well, look at verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. God's a good God. And he's for you and he's not against you and he loves you so much. And so that's how we approach him. We approach him on the basis of the core element of who he is as a being. He is good to the core. And look at what else. It says that his unfailing love or his faithful love or his mercy, as the King James Version, endures forever. Has the Lord redeemed you? Then speak out. Tell others he has redeemed you from all of your enemies. And so I want to encourage us this morning. The NIV says, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. That's the whole spirit behind the series is we want you and me to open our mouths and to begin in a very bold way to tell the story about what Jesus Christ has done in your life. How many of you know if the Lord has redeemed you and he saved you, uh, you have a story to tell? If God's ever touched you or ever met a need in your life, you have a story to tell. And nobody could ever rob you from your personal encounter with Jesus. Uh, that's yours, and it's real. And the more you share it, it releases faith in the hearts of, of those who hear it. And, it, and it, it allows the Holy Spirit to move with power. So the redeemed of the Lord need to speak out. They need to tell others what God has done. How many know in light of the goodness and mercy of God, it is an absolute crime to remain silent? Because our testimonies are signs of God's presence in our lives, of God's unfailing mercy and his goodness. Now, I want, I'm going to go through this quickly, just so we have room to minister at the end. So I'm going to turn up the speed of my message this morning. Can you all listen fast? Yes. All right. And I'm going to turn on my internal editor because there's probably things that are going to get cut as we fly. But anyway, we're going to do our best. There's, there's two different phrases that happen throughout this entire psalm, and they occur four different times. The first one is simply found in verse 6. Look on the screen. Lord, help. Now, how many of you know you don't have to be a fancy prayer for God to intervene in your life? A two-word prayer is sufficient. A one-word prayer is sufficient. Help works just, just as well. Lord, help. How many of you know that is a cry of desperation? Lord, help. They cried in their trouble. And he rescued them from their distress. Now, I shared with you last week, it is impossible to have a God encounter without a crisis because we don't need God until we're in situations that are over our head. And I told you, you don't have to look for crises because the world is full of crises. There's challenges that abound. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them from 
them all. So we don't have to look for problems, and we don't have to look for challenges, and we don't have to look for obstacles. Life provides all of those for us, but how many of you know we don't have to go through life alone? We have a God who's on the throne, and listen, who wants to intervene because he wants to demonstrate his goodness, he wants to demonstrate his mercy, because he wants to be known on planet Earth. Does this make sense? So let him father you through a crisis or through a challenge, and when you're going through the challenge, make this your prayer. Lord, help! Now, this is a cry of desperation. This is not a religious prayer. This is a cry that comes out of your heart. It's a cry of a desperate person. This is found in verse 6. It's found in verse 13. It's found in verse 19. It's found in verse 28. We cry out, God responds. But I want you to see another phrase that happens four times in this psalm. It's, it's in verse 8. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. So how many know when you cry out, Lord, help, and then God helps, you also have a responsibility to give thanks and to praise the Lord out loud for what he's done in your life. And I want you to see this becomes a beautiful cycle where we cry out, God rescues, and we give praise to the Lord. And that's really what this whole sermon series is about. So take a look. We're going to start reading in, uh, in verse 4. I want to I establish four different groups of people that God rescues. One of the ways that God is portrayed to humans is as a rescuer, a deliverer, and a savior to his people. This, this is a common theme all throughout Scripture. People, God's people are in trouble, and then the Lord rescues them. Now, this is beautiful because as we were singing God of Revival, uh, these four groups that I'm preaching about right now, we sang about in that song. So how many of you think maybe the Lord's got, got us set up this morning? And these are four groups of people that are present right here this morning. I bet you're in one of these groups, or I bet you know somebody in one of these groups. And we want to pray in faith for breakthrough this morning, okay? Look at the first group. It says, some wandered in the wilderness, lost and homeless. In other words, they had no direction. They had no place to call home. They were hungry. They were thirsty. They were, they were nearly dead. But look at verse 6. Lord, help! They cried out in their trouble. And he rescued them from their distress, and he led them to safety to a city where they could live. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for his one, the wonderful things he's done for them. And look at what it says in verse 9. For he satisfies the thirsty, and he fills the hungry with good things. How many of you know God rescues lost people? If you're here this morning and you're like, you know, I, I am just wandering around in the wilderness. Some of you feel uh, like that computer little, little diagram when you're, that's what my computer does at least, and when it just goes in circles and I just sit there staring. Some of you, that is a picture of your life. How's it going? There's some of you out here, you're feeling like there's no traction, there's no direction, there's, there's no purpose, you're not sure why you're here, you're just lost. Some of you may not, might not know the Lord, you might have not have had an encounter with Jesus that's been real or transformative. How I many you know God rescues lost people? There's some of you feel you're, you don't have roots, you feel like there's no place where you belong. Let me just prophesy this this morning, welcome home, welcome home, everybody needs a family. Everybody needs a place to call home. If you're wandering and you're aimless and you're confused and you're not sure where you're going, God wants to rescue you, and he wants to touch you this morning. That's the first group of people. But I want you to see who he touches, and this is so important, and I want you to work with me on this. He satisfies a certain group of people, thirsty people 
and hungry people. And what does he satisfy us with? Good things. Anybody want good things in your life? Then hunger after God. Anybody want the favor and the blessing of God on your life? Then thirst after God. The worst thing we can be as a church is complacent and satisfied. How many of you know the greatest gift you can have from the Holy Spirit is that you would, he would stir up with inside of you a passion for more of him. And I'm just praying that the water level of his presence is rising in this place. Amen. I can sense it in worship. I can sense it in what's coming out of the hearts of our leaders. There is a hunger and an expectation that there's more. We know there's more. God knows we need more. And I think he's waiting for the church to, to, to awaken into our destiny. Amen. So I mean, you know, I've, I've preached this for years here. Your best days are not behind you. They're in front of you. God always saves the best wine for the end. And if we will hunger and thirst and will not be satisfied, God will bring us into a future that is absolutely amazing. So if you're lost this morning, today's your day to be found, your day to be rescued, your day to be brought home, your day to be established and for God to begin to move in your life. Now look at the next group of people that God touches and rescues. It's the oppressed. The Bible says in verse 10, some people sat in darkness in the deepest gloom imprisoned in chains of misery. One translation says prisoners to our own pain, chained to our own regrets. Now, I want you to see something because this is very, very important. You cannot live in the kingdom of God in the full blessing of the kingdom when there's compromise in our life. Why were these people living in darkness? Why was there gloom? Why was there depression? Why were they suicidal? Why were they hopeless? Why were they heavy? Why, 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 why? Verse 11. They rebelled against the words of God, and they scorned the counsel of the Most High. How many of you know when you open the door through sin and through rebellion, you open the door to all of hell to come into your life? And if you're sitting here today and there's gloom and despair and darkness and discouragement and depression, you're you're a prayer away. Lord, help from deliverance. And if you'll repent of maybe the way you've been living, repent of some of the compromise in your life, God will fill you with light and will cause the gloom and the heaviness and despair to leave your light and joy will replace darkness where there was darkness and gloom. How many of you believe that God's word is true? And how many of you believe he rescues oppressed people? I believe there are people here this morning, you've had an oppression on your mind, a heaviness. Sometimes it's anxiety, it's fear, it's torment, it's heaviness. It's, it, it is a, a spirit of despair that like clouds, hangs like a cloud over your life. You do not have to live that way. Jesus rescues people who are oppressed. And if you came in, we sang, I love the song we started this morning. If you came in heavy, you don't have to leave heavy. You can leave light. I mean, we just declared the truth of the gospel. So let's keep reading. It says, they rebelled against the words of God, scorning the counsel of the Most High. That is why he broke them. Can I just say, God is in the process of breaking us, not to destroy us, but to bless us. How many of you have experienced when you live in those seasons of compromise, it's not that God reaches out and spanks you or that he's punishing you. He just simply takes his hand off and says, fine, if you want to go live that way, you just go try doing it your way. If you want to live with this compromise in your life, go ahead. Drink from that well of compromise. He takes his hand off. How many of you know the devil will beat your brains out and 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 the world will break you? Sin will break you. But some breakings are great. 
There's been folks that I've just said, Lord, I, I can't fix where they're at. They need to experience the breaking of the Holy Spirit in their life. I am grateful for seasons God allowed me to go through where he allowed things to get really tight and to get really co- compressed to where he broke the old me. Because guess what? He cannot give you more of him until he gets you and me out of the way. And, uh, and until we get broken. So listen, if you're going through a rough time and you're like, Lord, I don't know if I can take anymore. The Lord has got you in the palm of his hand. He is not allowing anything in your life for your ultimate destruction, but he will allow some squeezing and some cracking to get you to a place where you're going to be flexible and open and expandable to what the Holy Spirit's trying to do. So sometimes the Lord fixes, fixes to fix us, and we never want to fix those fixes that are God fixed to fix us, if you know what I mean. Let the Holy Spirit have his way, and the quickest way to a turnaround in your life is to submit to God and to let him break you of your old ways, which aren't producing very good fruit anyway. So just be broken of them. Look at verse 14. He led them from darkness and deepest gloom. And I love this. He snapped the chains. Man, the Lord wants to snap some chains today. And David was prophesying, prophesying about drug addiction, prophesying about whatever the chains are. We sang about it today. We, we sang and prophesied. How many know when you sing the song of the Lord, you're prophesying what God wants to do? There are chains God wants to snap off of people's lives this morning. And we want to pray that the Lord would do that. Verse 15 is the, is the rejoinder again to praise the Lord. Look at verse 16. For he broke down the prison gates of bronze, and he cut apart their bars of iron. All, he does all of this for one purpose, and that's to set us free. So I'm just telling you today, if you're oppressed here and you came in heavy, there are people like crazy in our culture today that are dealing with anxiety attacks that are debilitating. How many know that's from the pit of hell? There are people who are fearful. There are people who are anxious. There are people who are worried. There are people who are burdened. All of this is not part of our inheritance, and Jesus wants to snap chains off of people's hearts this morning. Let's go to the third group that, that the Lord rescues. It's the sick. Look at what it says in verse 17. Some were fools. They rebelled, and they suffered for their sins. Let me just pause right here. All of sickness is not because of our rebellion or our sin. That's ultimately from, from the fall. We know that. But I just want to say this. You might be sick here today, and it's not because you've done anything wrong. You might be loving the Lord and striving to live in obedience to him. But can I just tell you, many people are sick in our culture today because of sin. They're sick because of wicked choices. They're sick because they're, they've turned their back on God. And the Bible says here, some were fools, and they rebelled, and they suffered for their sins. They couldn't even stand the thought of food. Why, were they, why didn't they want food? Because their sickness made food even detestable to them. They were literally, the Bible says, knocking on death's door. But here's the good news. If you're hanging on and you're, you're at death's door, if you'll cry out, Lord, help, the Bible says he saved them from their distress. Look at verse 20. He sent out his word and healed them. He sent out his word. Just the spoken word of the Lord brings healing to our bodies and creates life. He snatched them from the door of death. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. 
Look at our response in verse 22. Let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and sing joyfully about his glorious acts. One translation says, sing joyfully about your story of miracles. When God gives you a miracle or a breakthrough, that's what causes us to sing. It causes us to rejoice. It causes us to pray. And what the Lord is after is an offering of praise and a sacrifice of thanksgiving, and that's what comes out of our hearts as we worship. Let me go to the last group, and this is where some of you are at today. It's the people that are in a storm. Some went off to sea, verse 23, in ships. They were plying the trade routes of the world. They, too, observed the Lord's power in action, his impressive works on the deepest seas. He spoke, and the winds rose, stirring up the waves. Their ships were tossed to the heavens and plunged again to the depths. The sailors were cringed in terror. They reeled. They staggered like drunkards. They were at their wits' end. Lord, help, they cried. Look at verse 29. He calmed the storm to a whisper, and he stilled the waves. What a blessing was that stillness as he brought them safely into the harbor. There are people here this morning, the Lord wants to still the storm that's going around you in your life. Some of you feel like you're living in a storm right now. When God speaks, things are calm. And we want to speak and let his peace come into your life, whether it's into your marriage, family relationships, work situation, whatever it is. And let me end with this very quickly, and then there's going to be a call, all right? God has the power to transform any situation. I want you to look at uh, verses 33 through 35, Psalm 107. God can transform your circumstances. Look at this. God changes rivers into deserts. I want to pause right there. Wait, that sounds backwards, Pastor. No, it's not backwards. Sometimes God will turn your river into a desert because you're not living for him and you've gotten distracted and you're, you're self-sufficient and you're prideful and you're using the blessings God has given to you and you're misappropriating them. You're using them incorrectly. I mean, you know, God will turn your river into a desert, not to kill you, but to get your attention. Some of you are living right now. Your river has turned into a desert. I would, I would encourage you to hit the ground and to begin seeking the Lord and say, Lord, have I offended you or grieved you in some way? Because how many of you know God doesn't want you living in deserts? He wants you living in the place of, an, of a river flowing through your life. Listen to what it says. Springs of water were turned into dry, thirsty lands. He turns fruitful land into salty wastelands because of the wickedness of those who live there. But look at verse 35, and this is what the Lord wants to do for us. He also turns deserts into pools of water. Some of you this morning, the Lord's saying, come out of the desert you've been living in. God wants to turn your desert into a pool of water. Amen? That's for somebody here this morning. Let's talk about provision. He brings the hungry, verse 36, to settle there and to build their cities. They sow their fields and plant their vineyards and harvest their bumper crops. How many of you know this speaks about our provision? God wants us to sow in fields, plant vineyards, and harvest bumper crops, all for his glory. Some of you need a breakthrough and provision over your life. If you'll give your resources to the Lord, if you'll honor God with your first fruits, if you'll stop robbing from the Lord and you'll give to God what belongs to him, God wants to reverse your financial situation and bring blessing into your life. And I want you to look at the last thing, the last turnaround, the last transformation is in families. Look at what it says, how he blesses them. 
Verse 38, they raise large families there, and their herds of livestock increase. How many of you know God is a God of life, and he's a God of supernatural blessing? And I want to pray over couples this morning that are desirous of a large family. And maybe you're not there yet. Maybe there's been some obstacles. I believe God wants to break through. I believe God wants to bring blessing. Notice the turnaround in circumstances, the turnaround in provision, the turnaround in families. These are all supernatural turnarounds that happen when we simply say, Lord, help. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. And I want us to obey the Lord. Can I just tell you something? The schedule that we've been in in the with the lack of space and some of these types of things can create really bad habits because we can preach and then we can kind of say, hey, if you want to come up, come on up, we'll be here kind of thing and be very nonchalant about that. But how many of you know when the word of the Lord is speaking clearly to us and it's a, a rhema, it's a God said, and God's speaking to your heart, he wants you to respond and he wants you to get out of your seat and he wants to see a demonstration of faith in your life. Sometimes it means you just come down to the altar and you just, you're saying, God, I need a touch from you. He's looking for us to cry out for help. And if you're desperate this morning and you're thirsty this morning, I'm telling you by the Holy Spirit, God wants to touch you. And so I invite our leadership team to come out real quickly, our pastors, our elders, life group leaders, if you're here. But I want to open the altar right now. And I want to invite you to come. If you're lost, if you're oppressed, if you need a storm calmed in your life, if you're sick, and you need a breakthrough, if there's something going on where you just need to say, I need to repent of where I'm at and I need to come back to the Lord, I'm opening the altars right now. I invite you right now, come out of your seat. Slide out of your aisle. Come down here. God wants to touch you. You need a story, and you need a fresh encounter, and you need a testimony. Some of you are in the situation where uh, Joanne testified about her own healing, and you need a healing in your body or in the body of somebody in your family. And so I invite you to come right now. Don't be shy. Come right now. Come right now. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Becca, go ahead and lead us in that call for revival. And I'm going to bless you as you have the freedom to head out, but please stay and abide here in the Lord's presence. Father, thank you for what you're doing this morning. Thank you for the testimony of life and breakthrough. Father, thank you for the people you're touching right now by the power of the mighty name of Jesus. And so, Holy Spirit, we're hungry for you. We're hungry for you. We're crying out for more. Lord, come. Lord, come. Lord, come. For the sake of our nation, come. For the sake of our church, come. For the sake of your glory, Lord, come. We're asking for a fresh visitation, Lord. We're asking for a fresh hunger stirred up in our hearts. Jesus, we need you. Jesus, we need you. Awaken us, O Lord. Awaken us, O Lord. God, I'm praying for transformations and turnarounds right now. Some of you need a turnaround. Be hungry for it. Ask God for it. Cry out right where you're at in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.